Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I apologize for the audio difficulties, but again, as I was saying, since this does, it is our last Bucko Booth uh, solo, because the Baseball Podcast Network is launching in three days, and we will be joining that, but still be doing the podcast every Saturday, so you don't have to worry about that. So, uh, just as a note, uh, a very Merry Christmas to you, Um, we got New Year coming up, so a lot of exciting stuff going on here at Bucko Booth. But I do want to get to our mailbag questions for the week. So let's hop right into that with our first question from Will. He asks, when do you expect Tulo to sign, and who are the top three contenders for him? Well, well, we don't really know when Tulo is going to sign. Reports before Christmas show that he might have signed before Christmas with the Pirates, but that obviously did not happen. And the rumors and the news surrounding Tulowitzki have really slowed down ever since. There really hasn't been much news surrounding him, except that Clint Hurdle loves him, as we talked on the show last week. But besides, you know, that, there, there really isn't any news regarding Troy Tulowitzki. The top three contenders are you'd have to hit the Pirates at number one for Tulowitzki. Uh, probably, I'd say number two... It's really tough because the Pirates are really the the team to get him. They are the ideal team. But, I mean, you look at anybody. He's a $550,000 player. Any team could be willing to give him that money if they don't have a trusted shortstop. So it's really tough to nail down the other two with the Pirates being the obvious fit for Tulo. But if I had to pick two other teams, I mean, you have to look at the teams that don't have shortstops, that don't have capable shortstops. And that really comes down to uh, I don't know, maybe the the Angels I heard were in on him. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams are in on him. A lot of teams are in on him. So it's, it's really tough to pin down one team, but that is our mailbag for this week. Now, I want to talk about something uh, a little bit funny, humorous here on the show. One of the more entertaining pitchers on the Pittsburgh Pirates staff had an opportunity to play a joke recently. So what was it to move along this offseason? It has been very slow in terms of Pittsburgh Pirates stories, with the team not making a move in nearly three weeks. With that, there has been a lot of news to discuss among the team, or really in baseball in general. Like last offseason, this one seems to be moving just as slow. General managers and organizations do not want to risk giving out a major contract that will backfire like so many have in the past. What is really holding up this offseason around baseball has been the big market teams waiting for mega free agents Manny Machado and Bryce Harper to find their playing homes for the foreseeable future. Speaking of Bryce Harper, it has been 
made known that he is leaning towards signing with the New York Yankees. Well, maybe not exactly. Trevor Williams is one of, if not the most entertaining Pittsburgh Pirates player on Twitter. He often has sarcastic tweets, funny stories, and just over-the-top things that always give fans a good laugh. Well, this time, he gave the fans a good joke about something he did at dinner the other night. Apparently, his waiter thought he looked like Bryce Harper, and he took advantage of it. Here's what Williams tweeted. Our waiter tonight thought I was Bryce Harper, so of course I played along and told him I was signing with the Yankees. He was very happy because he was from the Bronx. If you look at the two, Williams and Harper do resemble one another. Both have similar hairstyles and facial hair, so it definitely seems logical that even an average baseball fan could make that mistake. Still, like typical Trevor Williams, he took the opportunity to give everyone a good laugh on Twitter. However, the question remains whether he told the waiter the truth or left him thinking that. And it would be very, very funny if Trevor Williams just left the waiters thinking he was Bryce Harper. Um, at first thought, I thought, how in the world could you mistake Trevor Williams for Bryce Harper? But then looking at their faces, their facial hair, heck, you, you could definitely mistake the two um, for that. Does that mean that Bryce Harper's coming to Pittsburgh? Question mark? Bryce to Pittsburgh? Yeah, we'll see Bryce when he comes in as an opponent, but no, no chance of bringing him in as a, uh, as a free agent. But it's just a comical story because, as I said, there's really nothing going on in baseball in general in the offseason right now. No moves being made. The Pirates aren't doing anything, nothing in the last three weeks. So what do we have to do besides sit here and laugh, right? Trevor Williams uh, tricking uh, waiters into thinking Bryce is going to the Yanks. Um and just in general, I want to talk a little about Bryce Harper since we really don't have much Pirates to talk today. Uh, and where Bryce Harper might end up signing. It's an interesting question. It's a question that everybody has an opinion on. Now, if we look at the teams that make sense for him to sign, it'd be, you know, the, the Yankees, the Phillies, potentially the White Sox, the Giants. If I had to break down the teams that I think Bryce Harper could go to, you have the Yankees who – have been hesitant to give out that big money, and they say they have an outfield logjam with Stanton and Judge. And, you know, they have Hicks, Ellsbury, Frazier, Gardner. They do have a bit of an outfield logjam, but Bryce Harper, you know, kind of would force his way into there if they signed him. Then you have the Phillies, who have reports have shown that Bryce Harper doesn't necessarily like Philadelphia, but he would be a perfect fit there. Then I think you have the White Sox after that, who'd be a great fit for either Machado or Harper, for that matter, because the White Sox, you know, they have money to spend. They just acquired Von Nova from us, um, and they're looking to spend some money this offseason. They're looking to make that next step, be the Braves of 2018 or the White Sox in 2019. That's what their goal is and going forward. Are they capable of doing that? Who knows? We'll see. But they, they need somebody to come in and fill a void in the offense that needs to be filled. If I had to predict where Bryce Harper is going to sign, I'd probably I'm gonna have to say the Phillies, just because I I think Machado is going to the Yankees at this point, and it's been the Yankees and the Phillies. It's gonna be one or the other. Whoever goes where, the opposite's going to the other place. So I'm gonna go with the Phillies. I'd probably go to White Sox. Thinks that the Yankees are going to get Manny Machado. Um, I mean, how much is it going to cost the Phillies? I'd probably say 10 years, $300 million. There's going to be an opt-out clause for sure, probably say after five or seven years. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's, once that happens, the free agent market is going to get moving, and maybe the Pirates will finally start making some moves. Uh, because I mean, this offseason is quiet. I mean, nobody wants to get out of the big contract, and they tend to hurt you in the back end of those contracts. But these players are young. These are extremely young free agents. They both came up at the age of 19, so they, they will. They are 26 years old. They're not old players, so you can give them 10 years, and it won't be like they're going to their 40s like Robbie Cano or Albert Pujols on their massive contracts, but they'll be in their mid-30s at the back end of that deal. So they, if they age nicely, it's not like they will be terrible players at that point. They will still be productive players, but is that worth a $30 million annual average? It's up to uh, the clubs to decide and their GMs to decide. And, uh, I mean, news has shown that Manny will probably be deciding sometime after the new year, and it appears that he's going to be signing with the New York Yankees. And then Bryce probably will follow shortly after that, and then the free agent market will really get rolling as, um, you know, teams will realize, hey, spring training starts in 56 days from today, and we we got to get going here, right? And just in general, you know, the Pirates, they still have to find a shortstop. They still need to add a piece to their bench depth. So we still have a lot of work to do, Neil Huntington does, in the next 56 days for the Pirates to be a, a legitimate contender in 2019. Um, So... That's just the whole Trevor Williams thing. I thought it was kind of comical. You know, what what, what do you do with that? Uh, and it gives us a little bit of comic relief here at Bucko Booth um, as we don't have much Pirates to talk about. But I do want to talk about something Pirates related. And the Pittsburgh Pirates have a lot of moves to make yet this offseason. Should the team be in on another starting pitcher? While a starting pitcher is not at the top of the list of needs for the Pittsburgh Pirates, there is a good chance this team still looks to bring one in. This become more, became more likely when the Bucks traded away their fifth starter and veteran, Avon Nova. Although the team signed pitcher Jordan Lyles and said he will have a chance to start, there still is a chance that the team brings in a more quality starter. Part of this could be just normal Neil Huntington talk. He often does not tip his hand in terms of player acquisitions. So there is the possibility that he just does not want it to be made public that the team is looking to bring in another starter. Why put it out there and set an expectation if the team is not going to be able to get the exact deal that they may be looking to get done? Still, the expectation should be that the team is going to bring in another starter. Should the Pittsburgh Pirates be in on Cleveland Indians pitcher Corey Kluber? Interestingly enough, the Cleveland Indians are shopping their former two-time Cy Young Award winner. Like the Pirates, the Indians are a small market team who are built on pitching. However, their window from a few years ago is seemingly shutting. They have lost a few key players already and simply are looking to rebuild faster by getting out ahead of it now, especially in a division that is relatively weak. So who is in on Corey Kluber? The main teams interested in, according to John Morosi, are the Dodgers, Reds, Phillies, Brewers, and some of the Pirates. The Padres. So why aren't the Pittsburgh Pirates on this list? The team is seeming to be on the upswing after an 82-win season in 2018. They are very young and should improve this coming season. Wouldn't Corey Kluber help bolster this team from a pretender to a contender? The simple answer is obviously yes. However, Corey Kluber would not come cheaply in any trades. Kluber has two Cy Young Awards under his belt and is coming off a season that he threw to a 2.89 ERA. Meanwhile, Kluber has multiple years of team control left with the 2019 season and club options in 2020 and 2021. 
Successful pitchers with team control are always going to cost a lot in a trade. Just look at what it took for the Pittsburgh Pirates to get Chris Archer at last year's deadline. Top prospect Austin Meadows, former top pitching prospect Tyler Glass now, picked Shane Boz. Meanwhile, Archer is not even in the same category as a pitcher like Kluber. However, the real reason the Pittsburgh Pirates will not be involved in the Kluber talks is because of his price tag. The pitcher is set to make $17 million next season along with $17.5 million in 2020 and $18 million in 2021. Add this in with what he would cost in prospects, and the team will not be in those talks. Simply put, the Pittsburgh Pirates would not sacrifice the pieces it will take from the farm system for a pitcher that would eat up at least 20% of their payroll. While Corey Kluber would be great to add, the Pittsburgh Pirates will not make a move like that. Even with Kluber having options, the Indians will expect top value back. The Pittsburgh Pirates traded away many of their top young pieces last trade deadline, and it would really leave the cupboard bare in a trade for Kluber. Furthermore, the team simply does not pay their players that kind of money. While it's easy to imagine what he and Ray Sears would accomplish, it just is not realistic to think that it would be a possibility for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's just not. At the end of the day, the Pittsburgh Pirates will never, ever, ever make that move. Well, move not to make it either. You don't pay one player 20% of your payroll, and you don't leave the cupboard bare in the farm system. For one pitcher, when your starting rotation is already dominant. Yes, we need a fifth starter, but do we need a Corey Kluber at that value? No, we don't. We have options internally. As I said, we have Jordan Lyles, Stephen Brault, Nick Kingham, Clay Holmes. And maybe even a JT Brubaker you throw in that mix. And Mitch Keller, he's fast on the rise. He could be making his debut this summer, circa Garrett Cole, 2013. That's what I think is likely to happen. You know, the fifth spot in the rotation might be shaky for the first couple months. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Lyles got the job. And he takes it until Mitch Keller comes up. And then once Mitch Keller is in the majors and he's dominating like Garrett Cole did in 2013, then you just slot Mitch Keller into that role and the rotation looks even more dominant. You know, with at that point, Tyan, Williams, Archer, Musgrove, Keller. That's a dominant rotation right there. That's a rotation that you can feel good every single day of the week with. For the first couple of months, that fifth day with Jordan Lyles, is it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough to feel confident on those days. But still, we haven't seen Jordan Lyles in a Pirates uniform yet. We, spring training hasn't come. We need to see how he does there. We need to see how he does if he gets the nod on that fifth day. Well, let's just play a hypothetical here. I want to play a hypothetical. Let's say the Pirates, you know, money wasn't a factor, and we wanted to get Corey Kluber. What would a package look like? Meadows... Glassnow and Boz for Archer, and Archer is not in the same category as Kluber. At the minimum, we'd probably have to give up Keller. At the minimum, Keller would probably have to be the centerpiece of that package. You probably then have to throw in Key Brian Hayes in that mix. So you'd have Keller, Hayes, and I'd probably say Swaggerty. Would that get it done, though? Would Keller, Hayes, and Swaggerty force the Indians' hand to giving us Corey Kluber? Probably say you have to throw one more prospect at that point. So you have Keller, Hayes, Swaggerty, 
throw in a, uh, a Blake Wyman, somebody like that. Um, maybe even have to force either Tucker or O'Neal Cruz, one of those type of players. I think a realistic trade package for him would look like this. But Keller, Hayes, Swaggerty, and O'Neal Cruz. That would be the package, I believe, that would get the Pirates' Corey Kluber. Again, this is never going to happen. This is all hypothetical. But if we were to splurge and if we were to talk and we were to get him, those would, that would be the package I think we'd get it done. It would be a dumb baseball move to do it. And again, you don't pay players 20% of your payroll. Not, not a player, not one. You don't put a pitcher in there who pitches every five days. It's just a dumb baseball move, dumb baseball logic. And you don't empty the farm system like that for a player that's going to cost you 20% of your payroll, especially in a small market like Pirates are forced to be in. Now, where is Corey Kluber going to go? That's a question. Where is he going to end up? Or is he going to be traded at all? He's going to command top value at top value price point two. If I had to make a prediction right now, he's going to be back in Cleveland on opening day. He's not going anywhere. Similar to the JT Ramuto situation, uh, Ramuto doesn't cost as much to the team that he's going to be going to if he doesn't get traded, but he, they want top value for him. And it's tough to get top value in this market because GMs value their prospects so highly they just don't want to give them up, and they're not going to give them up for a single player. No matter how good that single player is, it just it's not happening like it used to. Teams are much more cautious now, and they're not looking to offload prospects like that. They're not looking to leave their farm system barren for years to come. At this point, it's honestly more sexy for a GM to have the top farm system such as the Padres do than to be a you know a contending team, uh, a team in the middle that doesn't have a good farm system such as the Giants. You know, the, the part of your GM is going to be sticking around because he has that farm system. And as long as you maintain the top farm system in baseball, you're going to be a respected GM, and eventually that top farm system is going to pan out. Look at all the teams that are contending right now. The Astros, the Cubs, are they all a top farm system at one point or another in their rebuild? The Red Sox had a top farm system at one point in their rebuild. You know, the teams that are contending today, they once had a top farm system. You have to have that wave of players that is homegrown that all come up together in order to make a push. And that's what the Pirates have currently. I mean, they're not all coming up at the same time, but we have a young core that is ready to make a move in 2019 that is ready to win a World Series. Would Corey Kluber help our chances? Obviously he would help our chances, and he might propel us to that World Series berth. Do we need him? Would I like him? Yes, but that's uh, everybody would like him, you know? And the Pirates are going to be an exciting team in 2019. Corey Kluber, not most likely, absolutely not with Corey Kluber. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, if he goes anywhere. Um, and, uh, we're, we're just here for the ride, you know? We're here to see where uh, Corey Kluber winds up. I mean, the Reds are talking with him, the Padres now. I really don't want him to go to the Reds. That, that's a team that I'm scared for him to go to. Um, you know, potentially facing him, you know, five times a year would be at that point. So don't go to the Reds, Kluber, uh, and then stick out with the Ohio talks. Uh, ship them off. We're mind at the Padres in the NOS. But I, I'd be perfectly fine if he stays in the AL because, you know, we don't have to face him. We faced him last year, knocked him around a little bit. But they in the AL, Corey Kluber, we, we'd uh, – 
appreciate that greatly. All right, I want to talk a little bit about a broad baseball category, you know, since there's not much really to talk about besides that. And in that broad baseball category, you know, inflation is part of life. Purchasing power changes, and it's an important area to recognize. Without adjusting for inflation, information is lost on what a team is actually spending in context of year-to-year. Inflation is a changing of prices and a reduction in purchasing power an individual has on a certain market basket, or in non-economic terms, the goods and services sold on a market at a given price. The changes in prices of the basket is the inflation rate. Looking at inflation in baseball is something that I recently helped Kevin Krieg of the Point of Pittsburgh in calculating. In short, the sum of opening day payrolls in baseball are the given market basket. The calculation of the baseball price index, BPI, is the same calculation of the consumer price index, CPI, and an index of market baskets in the economy. Simply, the formula is the new price in the market basket divided by the price in the base year, in this case 2010, and multiplied by 100 to get on a scale of 100. The inflation rate is then new price to base price base year price divided by 100. And those values I calculated for TPOP. Um, so let's get it rolling. Inflation and opening day payrolls from 2010 to 2018. So in 2010, the opening day payroll uh, <clears throat> in baseball was $2,808,369,236. BPI of 100. Inflation rate of zero. 2011, $2.8 billion. BPI of 102.43, inflation rate of 2.43%. 2012, opening day payroll of $3 billion. BPI of 107.2, inflation rate of 7.2%. 2013, opening day payroll of $3.1 billion. BPI of 113.36, inflation rate of $3 billion. BPI of 122.14, Inflation rate, 22.14%. 2015, opening day payroll of $3.75 billion, BPI of 133.81, inflation rate of 33.81%. 2016, opening day payroll of $3.9 billion, BPI of 139, inflation rate of 39%. 2017, opening day payroll of $4.1 billion, BPI 146, inflation rate 46%. 2018, open day payroll of $4 billion, BPI of 144.8, inflation rate of 44.88%. The BPI becomes handy when calculating the deflator, which is then used to calculate the real price of the market basket in a given year. In this case, we want to calculate the real opening day payroll given the change of purchasing power with the real year being in 2018, i.e. converting everything into 2018 dollars. The deflator in each is simply the BPI, or it's calculating the purchasing power for the economy, the CPI, divided by the year in which you want the real rate, in this case, 2018. The deflator values are as follows. 2010, BPI of 100, deflator of 0.69. 11, BPI of 102.43, deflator of 0.71. 2012, BPI of 107.20, deflator of 0.74. 2013, BPI of 113.36, deflator of 0.78. 2014, BPI of 122.14, deflator of 0.84. 2015, BPI of 133.81, deflator of 0.92. 2016, 
2016, BPI of 139, deflator of 0.96. 2017, BPI of 146, deflator 1.01. 2018, 144.88 BPI, 1 deflator. So, Taking the normal opening day payrolls, what the payroll was in a given year, divide by the deflator, the real value of the payroll is produced in 2018 dollars. For the Pirates, their real payrolls rounded to the nearest dollar, a nominal payroll of $39 million, deflator of 0.69, with the real payroll at $56 million. 2011, nominal payrolls of $42 million, deflator of 0.71, putting the real payroll at $59 million. 2012, nominal payroll $51 million, uh, 0.74 deflator, real payroll at $70 million. 2013, nominal payroll at $66 million, a 0.78 deflator, putting the real payroll at $85 million. 2014, $71 million nominal payroll, a 0.84 deflator, putting the real payroll at $85 million as well. 2015, nominal payroll of $90 million, deflator of 0.92, real payroll, $97 million. 2016, nominal payroll of $99 million, deflator of 0.96, real payroll of $104 million. 2017, nominal payroll, $95 million, 1.01 deflator, real payroll, $95 million. 2018, nominal payroll, $86 million, deflator 1, real payroll. $86 million. And this is the real gall of you know, the article. A must-read for the understanding of the context of the Pirates, especially with respect to how the club handled their baseball-advanced media money. And, you know, if the Pirates truly docked the ship at $75 million in opening day, as rumored, their payroll would only be 52.6% of the MLB average, a full 11% drop than just last year. Using our inflation rates and calculating backwards 2018 dollar value multiplied by the deflator, a $75 million payroll in 2018 is the same as a $59.6 million payroll in 2010. This is where even the target of $100 million payroll is put into perspective. Without accounting for inflation, $100 million sounds great, but the cost of an opening day payroll has increased. Players cost more, and that's why inflation is important. A $100 million payroll in 2018 would be the same as a $69 million payroll in 2010. Adjusting for inflation is important, okay? It is very important. And calculating for inflation can't be ignored in baseball, like it seemingly has been. A $100 million payroll in 2018 isn't the same as it was in 2010. One of the biggest differences between the Pirates and their competitors is what they spend especially in relation to when they're in contention. In 2013, when the Reds had a winning season, their payroll in 2018 dollars was $137 million, or the Pirates spent just $85 million to start the season, essentially the same as it did in 2018. Inflation is important in economics, and it certainly can't be ignored in baseball. You look at inflation, let's say, oh, we spent $100 million. Okay, that's not the same in 2018 as what in 2010, even as it was in 2015, 2016. It's not. Baseball inflates fast, and we can't be stuck here in the past spending $75 million expecting to contend. The Reds, 2013, they were contending, spent $137 million on their payroll. 
and worrying me stuck spending $75 million? What are we doing? Are we trying to win a World Series or are we trying to fill it, line our pockets? That's the question at the end of the day. What does Bob Nutty want to do? Does he want to give this team a World Series ring? Or does he want to line his pockets? Is this just business? Or does he care about the city? Does he care about the fans that listen to this show, that go to the games, that support this team? What does he want to do? That's the question at the end of the day. That's going to wrap it up for our show. Uh, a happy new year. When we come back, it will be the Baseball Podcast Network. So tune in to FanCast Tuesday, January the 1st for the uh, FanCast. And we'll be back here a week from today. Happy new year. Uh, and uh, have, have a great Hopefully you guys have a long weekend, too. That, that'll be nice. My name is Benson Fector. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, for more Bucket Booth content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. Make sure to give our host a follow on Instagram. Myself at Bucks Dugout and Jared at Strong. And be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all those social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net, Twitter at Baseball Podcast One, YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network, and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. It's been a joy doing this solo. Uh, it's time for some change, though. Time to bring in the Baseball Podcast Network. We've got the Phillies, the Yankees, the Mets, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, and the Marlins, and, of course, the Pirates all on the network. So we, we've got a lot to talk about. And I hope you guys tune in to every single episode we have on the network. It will... Uh, only help us grow. We're going to look to make this a big old network, but the Pirates, they'll always be my focus. So you don't have to worry about that. As always, let's go Bucks. Let's hope they make a move this week, right? We want to talk real Pirates next week and not just uh, speculations we've been doing for the last three weeks here on Buck and Moot. See you next week. Let's go Bucks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.